Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both a workbook lesson and a text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every mo- weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from, um, say, 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil, with Section 8, Creation and Communication. And at the top of the hour... We do pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. Today's lesson is Lesson 47. God is the strength in which I trust. And I'm a friend, probably take care of a brother. So we will be looking for uh, someone to lead that if you are so willing. Yeah, at that time. Uh, well, this is one of my favorite parts of the call. Laurie, do you have an opening for that you would like to offer us this morning? I sure do. One of my very most favorites about the strength of God. It's a poem from Rainer Marie Wilka, Rilke. And I'm not thinking it has a title. But it goes like this. I believe in all that has never yet been spoken. I want to free what waits within me so that what no one has dared to wish for may for once spring clear without my contriving. If this is arrogant, God forgive me, but this is what I need to say. May what I do flow from me like a river, no forcing and no holding back the way it is with children. Then in these swelling and ebbing currents, these deepening tides moving out, returning, I will sing you as no one ever has, streaming through widening channels into the open sea. God is the strength in which I trust. Amen. Amen. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I'm reminded of the line, the ocean refuses no river. Okay, well, let's see. With us in reading this morning, we have uh, 
Laurie, Karen, Robin Marie, Donna, and Jessica. With this and listening, I have Judy and Diana. Is there anyone else who's say good morning? All done reading left. Okay. I'll get it started then with uh, Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil, Section 8, Creation and Communication. It should be clear by now that while in... (laughs) It should be clear by now that while the content of any particular ego illusion does not matter, it is usually more helpful to correct it in a specific context. Ego illusions are quite specific. Although they frequently change, and although the mind is naturally abstract, the mind nevertheless becomes concrete voluntarily as soon as it splits. However, only part of it splits, so only part of it is concrete. The concrete part is the same part that believes in the ego because the ego depends upon the thing. It is the part that believes your existence means you are separate. Lori? Now, chapter 4, The Road of All Evil, Section 8, Creation and Communication. It should be clear by now that while the content of any particular ego illusion does not matter, it is usually more helpful to correct it in a specific context. Ego illusions are quite specific, although they frequently change and although the mind is naturally abstract. The mind nevertheless becomes concrete voluntarily as soon as it splits. However, only part of it splits so that only part of it is concrete. The concrete part is the same part that believes in the ego because the ego depends on the specific. It is the part that believes your existence means you are separate. 95. Everything the ego perceives is a separate whole without the relationships that imply being. The ego is thus against communication, except insofar as it is utilized to establish separateness rather than to abolish it. The communication system of the ego is based on its own thought system, as is everything else it dictates. Its communication is controlled by its need to protect itself, and it will disrupt communication when it experiences threat. While this is always so, individual egos perceive different kinds of threat, which are quite specific in their own judgment. For example, although all forms of perceived demands may be classified or judged, the ego is coercive communication which must be disrupted. The response of breaking communication will nevertheless be to a specific person or persons. 
Okay, and uh, Karen? <laughs> 95. Everything the ego perceives is a separate whole without the relationships that imply being. The ego is thus against communication, except insofar as it is usual, utilized to establish separateness rather than to abolish it. The communication system of the ego is based on its own thought system, as is everything else it dictates. Its communication is controlled by its need to protect itself, and it will disrupt communication when it experiences threat. While this is always so, individual egos perceive different kinds of threats which are quite specific in their own judgment. For example, although all forms of perceived demands may be classified or judged by the ego as coercive communication, which must be disrupted, the response of breaking communication will nevertheless be to a specific person or persons. 96. The specificity of the ego's thinking, then, results in a spurious kind of generalization, which is really not abstract at all. It will respond in certain specific ways to all stimuli which it perceives as related. In contrast, the soul reacts in the same way to everything it perceives to everything it knows is true and does not respond at all to anything else. Nor does it make any attempt to establish what is true. It knows that what is true is everything that God created. In its complete and direct communication with every aspect of creation, Sorry, it is in complete and direct communication with every aspect of creation. Because it is in complete and direct communication with its creator. Thank you, Karen. And Robin Marie. Ninety-six, the specificity of the ego's thinking then results in a spurious kind of generalization, which is really not abstract at all. It will respond in certain specific ways to all stimuli which it perceives as related. In contrast, the soul reacts in the same way to everything it knows is true and does not respond at all to anything else, nor does it make any attempt to establish what is true. It knows that what is true is everything that God created. It is in complete and direct communication with every aspect of creation because it is in complete and direct communication with its creator. 97. This communication is the will of God. Creation and communication are synonymous. 
God created every mind by communicating his mind to it, thus establishing it forever as a channel for the reception of his mind and will. Since only beings of a like order can truly communicate, his creations naturally communicate with him and like him. This communication is perfectly abstract in that its quality is universal in application and not subject to any judgment, any exception, or any alteration. God created you by this and for this. The mind can distort its function, but it cannot endow itself with functions it was not given. That is why the mind cannot totally lose the ability to communicate, even though it may refuse to utilize it on behalf of being. Thank you, Robin Murray. And Donna. 97. This communication is the will of God. Creation and communication are synonymous. God created every mind by communicating his mind to it, thus establishing it forever as a channel for the reception of his mind and will. Since only beings of like order can truly communicate, his creations naturally communicate with him and like him. This communication is perfectly abstract in that its quality is universal in application and not subject to any judgment, any exception, or any alteration. God created you by this and for this. The mind can distort its function, that it cannot endow itself with function it was not given. That is why the mind cannot totally lose the ability to communicate even though it may refuse to utilize it on behalf of being. 98. Existence, as well as being, rests on communication. Existence, however, is specific in how, what, and with whom communication is judged to be worth undertaking. Being is completely without distinctions. It is a state in which the mind is in communication with everything that is real, including the soul. Hi, Tinkerbell. Hi, baby. To whatever extent you permit this state to be curtailed, you are limiting your sense of your own reality, which becomes total only by your recognizing all reality in the glorious context of its real relationship to you. This is your reality. Do not desecrate it or recoil from it. It is your real home your real temple, and your real self. Thank you, Donna. 
and Jessica. Thanks, Lemoyne. Paragraph 98. Existence as well as being rests on communication. Existence, however, is specific in how, what, and with whom communication is judged to be worth undertaking. Being is completely without these distinctions. It is a state in which the mind is in communication with everything that is real, including the soul. To whatever extent you permit this state to be curtailed, you are limiting your sense of your own reality, which becomes total only by your recognizing all reality in the glorious context of its real relationship to you. This is your reality. Do not desecrate it or recoil from it. It is your real home, your real temple, and your real self. 99. God, who encompasses all being, nevertheless created beings who have everything individually, but who want to share it to increase their joy. Nothing that is real can be increased except by sharing. That is why God himself created you. Divine abstraction takes joy in application, and that is what creation means. How, quote how, quote what, and quote to whom are irrelevant because real creation gives everything since it can create only like itself. Remember that in being, there is no difference between having and being as there is in existence. In the state of being, the mind gives everything always. Wait. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jessica. And is there a new reader for 99 and 100? Hi, I wouldn't mind giving it a go. Okay. Uh, Thank you. Let's go ahead, Lizzie. Except I just lost it. I have to pull it up. Here we are. There we are. Okay. Um, and what number paragraph? 99. 99. Thank you. Thanks for being patient. 99. God, who encompasses all beings, nevertheless created beings who have everything individually, but who want to share it to increase their joy. Nothing that is real can be increased except by sharing. That is why God himself created you. Divine abstraction takes joy in application, and that is what creation means. How, what, and to whom are irrelevant because real creation gives everything. Since it can create only like itself, remember 
Oh, only think it's self. <laughs> Let me say that again. Real creation gives everything since it can create only like itself. Remember that in being, there is no difference between having and being as there is in existence. In the state of being, the mind gives everything always. 100. The Bible repeatedly states that you should praise God. This hardly means that you should tell him how wonderful he is. He has no ego with which to accept such thanks and no perception with which to judge such offerings. But unless you take your part in the creation, his joy is not complete because yours is incomplete. And this he does know. He knows it in his own being and its experience of his son's experience. The constant going out of his love is blocked when his channels are closed, and he is lonely when the minds he created do not communicate fully with him. Thank you, Mindy. And is there another new reader for 100 and... 101. Another new reader. Okay, back to you, Lori. The Bible repeatedly states that you should praise God. This hardly means that you should tell him how wonderful he is. He has no ego with which to accept such things and no perception with which to judge such such offerings. But unless you take your part in the creation, his joy is not complete because yours is incomplete. And this he does know. He knows it in his own being and his experience and his its experience of his son's experience. The constant going out of his love is blocked when his channels are closed, and he is lonely when the minds he created do not communicate fully with him. 101. God has kept your kingdom for you, but he cannot share his joy with you until you know it with your whole mind. Even revelation is not enough because it is communication from God. It is not enough until it is shared. God does not need revelation returned to him, which would clearly be impossible, but he does want revelation brought to others. This cannot be done with the actual revelation because its content cannot be expressed and it is intensely personal to the mind which receives it. It can, however, still be returned by that mind through its attitudes to other minds, which is the knowledge from the revelation brings. Thank you, Lori. And Karen? 101. God has kept your kingdom for you, but he cannot share his joy with you until you know it with your whole mind. Even revelation is not enough because it is communication from God. It is not enough until it is shared. God does not need 
revelation return to him, which would clearly be impossible. But he does want revelation brought to others. This cannot be done with the actual revelation because its content cannot be expressed and it is intensely personal to the mind which receives it. It can, however, still be returned by that mind through its attitude to other minds which the knowledge from the revelation brings. 102. God is praised whenever any mind learns to be wholly helpful. This is impossible without being wholly harmless because the two beliefs coexist. The truly helpful are invulnerable because they are not protecting their egos so that nothing can hurt them. Their their helpfulness is their praise of God and he will return their praise of him because they are like him, and they can rejoice together. God goes out to them and through them, and there is great joy throughout the kingdom. Every mind that is changed adds to this joy with its own individual willingness to share in it. The truly helpful are God's miracle workers whom I direct until we are all united in the joy of the kingdom. I will direct you to wherever you can be truly helpful and to whoever can follow my guidance through you. Thank you, Karen and Robin Marie. One hundred and two. God is praised whenever any mind learns to be wholly helpful. This is impossible without being wholly harmless, because the two beliefs coexist. The truly helpful are invulnerable because they are not protecting their egos, so that nothing can hurt them. Their helpfulness is their praise of God. And he will return their praise of him because they are like him and they can rejoice together. God goes out to them and through them and there is great joy throughout the kingdom. Every mind that is changed adds to this joy with its own individual willingness to share in it. The truly helpful are God's miracle workers whom I direct until we are all united in the joy of the kingdom. I will direct you to wherever you can be truly helpful and to whoever can follow my guidance through you. Thank you, Robin Marie. And is there uh, anyone else who would like to read uh, paragraph one, two, again? Uh, 
Alrighty. Okay. And uh, we're a little a little ways away from the top of the hour. Uh, and because Fran is not here, I'm asking if there is no here for that lesson. I'd love to hear the review. <laughs> Creation and communication. So, well, it should be clear by now that while the content of any particular ego illusion does not matter, it's usually more helpful to correct it context. Ego illusions are quite specific, although they frequently change, and although the mind is naturally abstract. Everything the ego perceives, in 95, everything the ego perceives is a separate whole without the relationship that is implied being. Ego is thus against communication, except insofar as it is utilized to establish separateness rather than to abolish it. The response of breaking communication will nevertheless be to a specific person or person. Six, the specificity of the ego's thinking results in a spurious kind of generalization, which is really not abstract at all. It will respond in certain specific ways to all stimuli which it perceives as related. In contrast, the soul reacts in the same way to everything it knows is true and does not respond at all to anything it has Nor does it make any attempt to establish what is true. It knows that what is true is everything that God created. It is in complete and direct communication with every aspect of creation because it is in complete and direct communication with the Creator. So, seven, this communication is the will of God. Creation and communication are synonymous. God created every mind by communicating His mind to it, thus establishing it forever as the channel for the reception of his mind and will. Since only beings of a like order can truly communicate, his creations naturally communicate with him and like him. Okay. 
God created you by this and for this. The mind can distort its function, but cannot totally lose the ability to communicate, even though it may refuse to utilize it on behalf of the Existence, as well as being, rests on communication. Existence, however, is specific in how, what, and with whom communication is judged to be worth undertaking. Being is completely without these distinctions. It is a state in which the mind is in communication with everything that is real, including the soul. To whatever extent you permit the state to be curtailed, you are limiting your sense of your own reality, which becomes total only by your recognizing all reality in the glorious context of its real relationship to you. This is your reality. Do not desecrate it or recoil from it. It is your real home, your real temple, and your real Nothing that is real can be increased except by sharing. That is why God himself created you. Divine abstraction takes joy in application, and that is what creation means. Remember there, that in being, there is no difference between having and being as there is in existence. In the state of being, the mind gives everything always. The Bible repeatedly states that you should praise God. This hardly means that you should count how wonderful. He has no ego with which to accept such things, and no perception with which to judge such suffering. But unless you take your part in the creation, his joy is not complete, because yours isn't. And this he does not. He knows it in his own being and its experience of the son's experience. The constant going out of his love is blocked when his channels are closed and he is lonely when the minds he created do not communicate fully with him. <clears throat> God has kept your kingdom for you, but he cannot share his joy with you until you know it with your whole mind. Finally, 102. God is praised whenever he, when, uh, God is praised whenever any mind learns to be wholly helpful. This is impossible without being wholly harmless because the two beliefs cannot coexist. 
the truly helpful are invulnerable because they are not protecting their egos so that nothing can hurt them. Their helpfulness is their praise of God and he will return their praise of him because they are like him and they can rejoice together. God goes out to them and through them and there is great joy throughout the kingdom. Every mind that is changed adds to this joy with its own individual willingness to share it. The truly helpful are God's miracle workers whom Christ directs until we are all united in the joy of the kingdom. I will direct you to wherever you can be truly helpful and to whoever can follow my guidance through you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. That was really, really perfect. Yes, thank you. Was a beautiful section, huh? This story. And Lemoyne, while you were summarizing, I was put in mind of um, a quote that puts this section about communication in perfect context. And the quote is from chapter 6, The Only Answer. He says, God does not teach. To teach is to imply a lack which God knows is not there. God is not conflicted. Teaching aims at change, but God created only the changeless. And here it is. The separation was not a loss of perfection, but a failure in communication. A harsh and strident form of communication arose as the ego's voice. It could not shatter the peace of God, but it could shatter yours. God did not blot it out because to eradicate it would be to attack it. Being questioned, he did not question. He merely gave the capital answer. And his answer is your capital teacher. Separation was a failure in communication. And um, that's why this section represents the restoration of that communication to our essential truth, essential nature of divine abstraction of the soul and completion of that circuit. I mean, if you think about it, what is communication but a complete circuit of giving and receiving or receiving and giving, a constant going out and returning. And in that cycle, <clears throat> God in his minds or the souls he created are always in communication. But ego voice is busy listening to 
its own harsh and strident communication that mostly is concerned with protection of itself and a fake kind of communication based on its own value judgment. Not a, not a circuit at all. Um, I love this section just because it describes the nature of that circular communication that has always been the truth of the soul. You know, your, your other life, he says, has continued uh, without your awareness while I was asleep and dreaming. And I can wake up any time and remember the soul and its true relationship to God and partake once again of the receiving of his mind and his will and the sharing of it through my attitudes toward other minds. Talk more about um, how that communication isn't based on what you say or, or what you do so much as an internal attitude that's always in communication with the one mind that we all share. Um, not a doing, but a being. Oh, that description in being. Being is a state. That paragraph 98. Being, a state. A state. A state of mind. Calls it the kingdom of God. A state in which the mind is in communication with everything real. And to curtail that is to limit your own reality But I can realize my real nature with all reality in its glorious context of relationship. Oh, I love that phrase. This is your reality, your home, your temple, your capital of self. Being as a state of mind, the restoration of the kingdom of God in my own awareness. A beautiful section. Thanks. I'm complete for now. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Yeah, thank you, Lori. Do this one more time. Is there anyone who would like to volunteer reflection on lesson forty seven? I can do it, Lemoyne. If no one else would like to volunteer. <laughs> and if you really don't want to, I'll do it. But I would rather hear you, you do it. <laughs> I'd love to hear you, Donna. I'd love to hear you do it. Right. I, I, I'm heard enough. <laughs> Thanks. I disagree with you. <clears throat> Okay, lesson 47. Let me turn my 
hollering down here. God is the strength in which I trust. If you are trusting your own strength, you have every reason to be apprehensive, anxious, and fearful. What can you predict or control? What is there in you that can be counted on? What would give you the ability to be aware of all the facets of any problem and to solve it in such a way that only good can come of it? What is there in you that gives you the recognition of the right solution and the guarantee that it will be accomplished? Of your own self, you can do none of these things. To believe that you can is to put your trust where trust is unwarranted and to justify fear, anxiety, depression, anger, and sorrow. Who can put his faith in weakness and feel safe? Yet, who can put his faith in strength and feel weak? God is your safety in every circumstance. His voice speaks for him in all situations and in every aspect of all situations telling you exactly what to do to call upon his strength and his protection. There are no exceptions because God has no exceptions. And the voice which speaks for him, that is God, thinks as he does. And from John 8.28, the King James Version, quote, I can do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things, end quote. And a note, there is one. There is only God. Lesson 47, God is the strength in which I trust. Let's take a holy moment. Lesson 47, God is the strength in which I trust. And the word praise was in everything today, so I'm going to read the 100th Psalm from the King James Version. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye 
lands. Lands really are people. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter to his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. And it came to me, his courts are our hearts and true minds. I give God the glory for this. I did not do it. I am complete. It's <laughs> beautiful, Donna. Thank you for everything you brought to that. Yes, thank you, Donna. This is Donna. I got excited by the one paragraph 100 because it was 100. <laughs> and the word praise was in it. And that's when the 100th Psalm popped into my head. But I, I went through and, and pulled, underlined some stuff. So right next to praise, the Bible repeatedly states that you should praise God. And it says, God... In that same paragraph, God knows his own being. And also in that paragraph, it said, says, God is lonely. And in 101, it says, God cannot share his joy with you. <laughs> and down in uh, paragraph 102, it says, so God cannot share his joy with you because the two beliefs coexist, which told me as long as I operate at all from my ego, I, God cannot share his joy with me. And uh, I don't want to walk that way. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. Donna for leading that. It was very beautiful. I just had a thought about the reading that we did today. Um, that was 
exciting when I was reading it. I thought, oh, Lori already read it, and I just, you know, wanted to share how it felt when we were reading it. It's 98. Uh, being is completely without distinctions. It is a state in which the mind is in communication with everything that is real, including the soul. To whatever extent you permit this state to be curtailed, you are limiting your sense of your own reality, which becomes total only by recognizing all reality in the glorious context of its real relationship to you. This is your reality, your real home, your real self. And when we were reading that, I had this um, memory come of being in Hawaii. I live in New Jersey. <laughs> it's not glorious outside here. It's okay. It's not bad. I'm not complaining, but, you know, it's not Hawaii. But I just remembered this one time of, you know, 12-hour flight and then getting to the beach and everything being alive and this feeling of expansiveness this feeling of being in communication with all of nature and not having any sense of um, separation or body consciousness, but the sense of being that's in communication with just um, the Mother Earth and the ocean and just the air and just the expansive feeling of life force that just goes out and permeates everything. And that was a memory of beingness to me, that it's uh, the glorious context of our real relationship, of not being limited, but being in communication beyond the body. And then um, in the next section that, I, that really struck me, which was kind of continuation, it says, how, what, and to whom are irrelevant because real creation gives everything since it can only create only like itself. Remember that in being, there is no difference between being and having as there is in existence. In the state of being, the mind gives everything always. Well, that is that experience of Receiving and extending, receiving and extending, which also, again, Laurie was mentioning, in being, um, there's no judging, there's no filtering, there's no contraction, there's no exclusiveness and specialness going to certain people. It's, it's just God comes in with every breath and God goes out as a wave of love to everything without any specialness. It's being and having at the same time. Um, giving everything always. And then in the next paragraph it says, the constant going out of his love. His joy is not complete because yours is incomplete and this he does not know. He knows in it his own being and its experience of its own experience. The constant going out of his love is locked, is blocked, excuse me, when his channels are closed. And that's really like the biggest thing I have to be vigilant to keep in mind for myself is not to block the channel. 
Um, when we were when we were reading um, paragraph sixty five, you are the mirrors of truth. God Himself shines in perfect light. Let the Holy One shine on you in peace, knowing that this and only this shone on you in your creation and brought your mind into being. His mind still shines on you and must shine through you. Your ego cannot prevent him from shining on you, but it can prevent you from letting him shine through you. So whenever um, I feel like I'm in charge, going back to the lesson today, God is my strength in whom I trust. You know, my ego is frail. I have to recognize that and I have to discard it and decide that that's not the place I stand in. I stand in the place of emptiness. Of myself, I can do nothing. I stand in the standing through me and letting his light shine through me. That's the state of beingness. That's the state without contraction. That's the state of non-interference of my ego. I hope that wasn't all over the place. I'm complete. Thank you for listening. Yeah, that was totally beautiful, Karen. I loved every bit of it. Thank you very much. Especially enjoyed the part about your ego can't prevent it from shining on you, but it can prevent it from shining through you. And that's, to me, that's what he means when he says divine abstraction takes joy in application. When the Spirit of God is shining through my mind without any interference at all, that is absolutely an utter joy. And only that, to me, can be counted as joy. So... A lot of things are fun, a lot of things are happy, but but that's joy uh, to feel that movement. So, thank you very much. Thank you for expanding that. Yeah, thank you, Karen. That's perfectly in line with the left step. The recognition of your own frailty is a necessary step in the correction of your errors, but it's hardly a sufficient one in giving you the confidence that you need and to which you are entitled. You must also gain an awareness that your confidence in your real strength is fully justified in every respect and in all circumstances. And try to reach down into your mind to a place of real safety. You will recognize that you have reached it if you feel a deep peace, however briefly. Let go all the trivial things that churn and bubble on the surface of your mind and reach down below them to the kingdom of heaven. There is a place in you where the key. There is a place in you where not us. There is a place in you where strength is not by. 
keep the idea for today off. God, strengthen which I trust. Use it as your answer. You need to serve us. Remember that peace is your right because you are giving your trust Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Lemoyne, this is Karen. I, I can never hear you. I, I miss like half of what you say, and I have my phone speaker up all the way when you're speaking. So um, and I know it must be only me because otherwise someone else would say something. But if there's any way you could speak up, I would so deeply appreciate it. And uh, no, I... It's not only you, honey. Oh, whatever I get, I love what you say, and I love that you repeated and reviewed that section about frailty just now and the lesson about going in deep, but I miss so much of what you say. So, thank you. Complete. Thanks, Karen. Well, thank you. Thank you, Karen. Hi, this is Chris. Yeah, I really love the passage that Lemoyne just read. It reminds me of something I read today. And it goes like this. A group of friends went swimming one day and one of them lost a ring in the bottom of the lake. The ring being symbolic of our connection with God, by the way. Everyone started diving from different directions to find it until there was so much mud and sand stirred up that no one could see anything. Finally, they decided to clear the water. They waited silently on the edge of the shore for the mud from all their activity to settle. When it finally cleared, one person dove in slowly and picked up the ring. So this is very symbolic of quieting our minds. And we could, we could do that in an active place. We don't have to sit in a lotus position for about an hour. We could do that as we do our activities of daily living. I appreciate um, the awareness um, uh, that requires us to see when there's um, mud, mud, muddy thoughts of the ego being um, impairing the cl- the the clarity of our connection with source. Really, I love what was read in the Bible and its accompanying dialogue about that. Who do we 
believe we are. You know, sometimes I will affirm and proclaim some very loving things about the God in me and look straight in my eyes and say that about myself. Sounds selfish to the ego, by the way. And see what comes up as I do that. We're just God being God. And I repeat, we're just God being God. But what beliefs are in the way? What mud is in the way? I'm complete. Oh, that was really great, Chris. Thank you for offering that. I loved, loved the um, imagery of the water calming down and getting settled so that the truth can be seen in the mind. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of your shares. I wrote this down. Thank you that we are your channels of love, and thank you that we communicate fully with you. Mm. Sweet. Thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you, Robin Marie. Big amen to that, sister. Oh, this is Lori again. And um, I found the first two paragraphs where he talks about um, the ego ideas about communication and its specificity and concreteness. Uh, it's be really helpful in 
terms of understanding my way out. And, you know, he says that in this section, Bird of All Evil. He starts out by trying to let me know that I can understand this ego thought system in a way that will clarify it to such a degree that I can make the decision that I don't want it. You know, he also makes it clear that there's nothing in the Christ mind that destroys the ego, um, but rather um, God's answer to the separation was to give us the Holy Spirit and teach us how to um, decide how to make the decision that it's not a thought system we want anymore and to bridge bridge this seeming gap between the ego thought system and the thought system of truth. That's the essence of the Course in Miracles. How to escape from concrete, specific thinking that always entails judgment and rejection and um, restricted beliefs about what perception is and all the ins and outs of how the ego uses its own value system, its own story as the criteria to judge everything. And once he clarifies for me what that ego thought system really is, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer that um, I've been deluded in much of my thinking. And um, the world I see, he shows me, is a consequence of my thinking errors. Thinking errors born out of the idea that I'm alone in the world. Uh, cast upon my own resources to figure out what things are, what they mean, and how I should respond to them. The essence of the whole ego thought system, um, when it became really clear to me, he's really telling me that the ego thought system is a storyteller. It has its own fiction. It has its own characters, one ego for me and one ego for everybody else. It has its own location in time and space. It has meaning assigned on the basis of its own personal story. And it takes its own personal story and uses it as a criteria to judge everybody else's story. And then we wonder why we can't communicate. You know, there, it's just a closed system. It's totally closed and concrete and the sentence I love in those first two paragraphs is let me get get to that paragraph oh turn to the wrong page sorry ego illusions are quite specific he says so they frequently change and although the mind is naturally abstract there's a hint of what's available to me. But, he says, the mind becomes concrete voluntarily as soon as it splits into the story writing mode. However, only part of it splits. That's great news. That's really great news because my soul has been undimmed in its radiance by all of my storytelling. My truth 
has been unchanged. The kingdom is still deep down within me, and I don't mean within my body, but deep down within my mind, heart. Um, my other life has continued in spite of all my storytelling. But he, he tells me this great news, only part of it splits, so only part of it is concrete. So only part of it believes in the ego, and only part of it depends on these specific instances. Okay? Only part of it is against communication. That part that is used to establish separateness. And let's see. The sentence I'm looking for, it's not jumping out at me, but in my notes I wrote, correction can be made in specific context. You see where that is? It's really important. Part of this concrete part is specific response of breaking communication will nevertheless be to specific persons and or persons. So anyway, the good news about that, this concrete part, this specific part, this specific person to persons, is where I have a window into the possibility of correction. Uh, remember that the atonement is the correction, the one correction, the one miracle that reestablishes both the healing of my mind and the healing of my mind's understanding of the sonship. Okay? That being the case, when I accept that healing, I'm going to be in situations where my old response to specific persons and situations, my old responses um, in context of old experiences will still pop up in my life. That's where I can make specific correction. I can turn instantly to the, to the power of the atonement that says this cannot be true. Separation cannot be true. It is not true and I accept that it is not true. And so here I am in the context of a specific person or persons in the context of a specific situation that I would formerly have sought to protect myself and retracted into my separateness in order to avoid that person or persons, I have an opportunity for instant correction. And that's forgiveness. Withdraw what I've laid upon this situation, this specific context, this specific person. I did that with my ego mind, my little tiny part. And when I withdraw that little tiny illusion, that little tiny uh, thing that seems so big in separation, re withdraw that idea that I've laid on that context or on that person, I am forgiving. I'm asking the Holy Spirit for correction so that I can withdraw my idea that I have from separation, receive the correction of my mind error, that is forgiveness of my illusion and as a consequence I will experience the miracle 
little correction of my perception of this situation, which will restore me to truth. And he says, if I want my escape, in those two paragraphs, if you read them pretty closely, my escape is in identifying these specific old situations or these specific old stimuli stimuli from situations or persons that I would have formerly reacted against, identify those, ask for correction, experience forgiveness, the consequence of the miracle. And when we get to chapter 5, that whole sequence of events becomes really important. He goes on to say how important it is. We'll get to it next week, but it's really significant. Um, let me get it exactly right. I have the quote somewhere on my computer here. Bear with me, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thought I had it here. Well, the point is, the significance of this event, forgiving, experience the miracle, forgive, expect, receive the miracle, in specific instances that I would formerly have reacted against, every time I do that and receive the blessing of a miracle, he calls that a quantitative release. And the more I do that, the more situations and people I apply that to, I will experience a really significant shift. I will experience the healing of my mind. He calls it reparation. And after my mind is healed, I will move into creation. And simply put, creation is communication. In that vein, he says, three things. Lesson 74, there is no will but God's. Lesson 127, there is no love but God's. And lesson 200, there is no peace but God's. Those three things will happen as a consequence of these quantitative forgivenesses, these quantitative shifts in perception, and my mind will be repaired, my mind will be healed, and I will experience the joy of creation, the joy of communicating, um, not by what I say or what I do, but rather as a consequence of my mind's healing and its ability to radiate the light. So, um, I hope I didn't go on too long about that, but the point of it is, when the mind is healed, we move into the field of creation, which is communication. And to clarify it even further, he says, you cannot really give anything but love to anyone, nor can you really receive anything but love from anyone. And that is um, how I experience the joy of extending God's mind and the fields of creation after my mind is healed. This is a really broad-based overview of what's possible when I escape the ego thought system. And, um, and it's very broad and beautiful 
and in my experience um, doing the lessons the way they're laid out every lesson leads me into these deep deep places of the mind heart where we have this experience of God in a way that most of the time is wordless but I find oh my god you know over the years I look back and I'm expressing the content of this lesson I don't know how that happens but God leads us into an experience of himself and the totality of that experience of himself is translated into an entirely different relationship to life and people and creation and um, who knows who knows the outer limits of that except the mind of God and I'm complete that was amazing um, can I just ask a question I'm going to back you up to the part about the the generalization the ego um, responds to certain specific stimuli in certain specific ways to all stimuli which it perceives as related so were you saying that we need to note where that started like where it originated and then that will kind of um, release that pattern of habit thinking I'm complete no no not at all um, and you know that's that's the thank God you clarified that <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah the no infinite. the opposite yeah. the opposite of that yeah um, traditional therapy will do those kind of explorations and and finding the cause of why I respond to things the way I do isn't going to help me at all that's why my way out is forgiveness and miracles because the the uh, he says you are never at random your life is not at random I'll direct you to who can you who you can be helpful to and who can be helped by your experience in other words um, life rolls out in an organized and directed manner to help me escape the prison I made and in in every situation where I notice that my peace is disturbed here is an opportunity that the universe is blessing me with to show me a place where I've put a splinter in my heart I react to this specific situation only because I have a splinter and as soon as I recognize that there's a thinking error I can receive the blessing of forgiveness and the consequent miracle that it brings so that I'm not in a position where I'm taking remember my dream I shared about the house you know all these floors and all these windows and closets everywhere and I'm going through with the flashlight trying to find my way out I dreamed that um, during a course of intense and deep therapy but the dream was telling me that I can recognize the all in all when I cross this bridge the bridge being recognizing a thought error and asking for correction and every miracle that I experience in that way in a moment-to-moment -moment basis shows me that these little splinters come from 
past misassociations, misunderstandings, things that um, I couldn't interpret or was afraid of. And so I stashed them. But here's life giving me, oh, I see there's something in my bag I don't need to carry with me anymore. I forgive it, I release it, I receive a miracle, and now I understand myself, and I'm no longer bound to the prison of that stimulus response pattern. My mind is free of that. The splinter's gone, I heal. And I do that successfully, successively as life gives me these experience, experiences that feel like always, I, I lost my peace, this hurts, I don't understand, I'm angry, I'm sad, um, help me understand, where's my owie? And it's usually very, 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 in my experience, it's very, very, very specific. I can feel it coming on, even in my body, I can feel the retraction. And um, that just tells me that, oh, someone's holding a mirror so I can see my ouch. And when I forgive it and the miracle blesses it, it's gone. I don't have to go delving into my past uh, to find its source. That's irrelevant. What's relevant is the forgiveness and the consequence, miracle, and the healing of my mind. I, ne I did not understand that until I came to this group and my prayer was I'm not adequate for this job I, I need strength I need I need um, I need freshness every day and it was that prayer that helped me understand these steps because it's the freshness that I experience with every release the miracle of now in this moment that makes my past irrelevant another way to look at forgiveness it's not there it's gone whatever caused that isn't important what's important is its release um, I hope I hope that's clear um, the the prayer was I'm only up to this job if I'm fresh every moment that means I need to stay in constant contact with the source of all relief um, and life gives it to me moment to moment to moment if I lose my peace there it is again oh something I can forgive and be blessed with a miracle by thanks universe <laughs> you know everything becomes a thanks uh, for release um, Boy, I could go on about that, and I'm taking up too much time anyway. I'm complete. Thank you so much. That you know, as a former therapist, uh, I had some really bad-rooted habits of like looking into the past, and even doing exercises like keep looking, you know, look for the person you're not forgiving, and then I'm lost. I'm in the past. So. Thank you for clarifying that. It's more, I think the correction in really simple words for me would be, um, know it's the past when I get the, you know, the splinter or the, the twinge of pain or the anger or whatever. Know it's the past and offer it love because love, God is the love in which I forgive. Yes. I don't know. Thank you. Um, thank you, Lori. Thank you. Yes, thank you. 
Oh, what a wonderful call. I really enjoyed listening. And Gloria, you know, your your clarity, um, having... Very wonderful and very helpful. And I think so practical and um, you know, the idea that we do uh, we do it more we do it quantitative amount makes for the qualitative change. You say you use that expression quite often, and that was the truth for me that. Um, I when I I became really committed, as committed more committed than I could I had ever been in doing the lessons and you know the willingness to apply it in the moment and not um, not bringing my past learning that was a big part for me that um, prayer and I don't know where it is in the text but and inviting the Holy Spirit into my daily activities and um, into my relationship, my holy relationships, um, recognizing every encounter was a holy encounter and, and that I would let him interpret it for me by not bringing what I thought from the past. I've invited my guest. I won't intrude my past upon my guest. I think that's how the prayer goes. But that was really helpful. And then doing that... Um, consistently it's where that generalization comes through that Karen you spoke of that you know he he was the one doing it I was just giving it all I was giving it all to him give it all to know that you have it all all the time everywhere and that's the way it unfolded for me it's like you know that that God God dawned on my mind and I I I love that there's a line in the end of the text God is glimmering on the horizon of my mind. Because I remember, I remember it, like, it's like sneak, snuck up on me, you know, and it was like he was just there all the time, and it was like that sense of peace and joy. And But there's always more coming up, you know. It's not like it's all perfect all the time, and you just meet it. It's like where the rubber meets the road. And, but, Lori, you, you're so fine in your expression of it. And did I say before I <laughs> do get going again? Okay, thank you everyone for being here and little point to especially Thanks, Judy. Yeah, thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. There's one unmuted line, I think. Oh, it's me, Sandra. Sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hi, Sandra. Hi. I have a little different take on it, and um, I've been told that I look a lot, and I know that my goal is to forgive the whole world, and I haven't done that yet. So this globalization, I think, helps me to to apply it to to a bigger picture than just the situation I'm in. So like for instance, 
I have looked at my past, and it helps me to understand what am I forgiving. Um, and so for me, what I'm forgiving is mental illness in myself, in others, in the world. So, um, it, it, so I have looked at the past, my own past, which has contributed to my own mental illness, which I call separation. Um, and to forgive the mental illness in the world is to forgive all separation. Now that's, you know, maybe it's easier to take it in small doses. I don't know, but it's just what's intuitively happening with me. Um, and I, I get it that I, I not only have to forgive the individuals who, including myself, who participated in that misinformation, um, but I have to forgive the whole world. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but that's just my take on it. And I so appreciate everybody else's take on it, too, because I, I think that, um, you know, if, with all the different people in the world, everybody's going to do it slightly different, and I, um, it, but we're all getting to the same place. And I like to honor and respect everybody's path. I'm complete. Oh, for sure. That's, um, unless I do, I won't experience peace. That's for sure. Thanks, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Yes, thank you, Sandra. Yes, everybody's got their own owies, you know. I love the way you said say that, Lori, you know, it's like everybody's got their own wounds where they thought they were hurt. And that's, it's like letting go of the belief that we can be hurt. And how does that happen? Through forgiveness. And, you know, to to say, I remember the first time I read the course and it said you're perfectly unaffected by any lack of love from anyone else or yourself in any situation. And I thought, how could that be possible? You know, I just felt I was still really feeling um, the vulnerability of people hurting me and having been hurt or the possibility, the fear of loving people for fear of rejection or abandonment or um, betrayal, you know, that that um, ambiguity in human love that I spoke of earlier on the call. The, um, you know, that the love of God is, changeless and that's why I so love that that reading we did yesterday that 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 is rooted in something that is beyond being human it's beyond the mind it's and it's it's something that we have within us but we have to ask for it and learn to trust it and depend upon it and then it truly does come through us in a way that like you said Lori you know it you're in a situation and somehow something from the course comes up and it's like holy mackerel I sound like a I sound like a sage I I, I, I feel like a Buddha you know <laughs> but it's glorious because it's God in me and I know that and I don't take credit for it but it's um, it really works it so works and I love hearing you share lately Karen I, I just so I so full of love for you. I'm just happy to hear you share. Thank you. 
Thank you, Judy. I love you too. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, this is this is Lemoyne, and uh, you know I it's, <laughs> I get this thing I that um, about understanding the source of uh, the error. You know, it can be helpful to understand the error, but you know the the part that we've taken on is built into a belief. Is uh, is present now, right? And can be seen generally in those quick reactions. It's like uh, I don't know. Maybe this is this is a simple answer to something that I've never really understood. <clears throat> what I did to myself <clears throat> when I was six to turn myself off. But, you know, the simple answer may be in the kind of an automatic phrase. It, it doesn't, it's it's much rarer now, but it does come out. You know, it, it is an, it's an ingrained reaction that I don't really want and I don't really believe. But it just comes out as I hate my life, and I, it may be that simple. That what in in a situation of conflict and shame, being shamed rigorously, <laughs> that I uh, I decided I hated life, and that's what uh, my my dad said. You were great. You were five. One day you turned yourself off. Just turned off never figured it out um that was that was the day spent stool in the corner and uh, um yeah I think that may be maybe what it was but it, you know what what the answer is I mean what the, the healing is what the course repeatedly says is to bring that allusion to the truth. And <clears throat> I think this is the the purpose of these lessons where he's repeatedly asking us to think down to find the today the kingdom of heaven. You know, that shakeable peace that comes from the thought that created us as being. That that in the face of that, the illusion can't really stand. So the thing is to bring the illusion to truth. I, I really appreciated today's way there. He develops this extinction, or a distinction, excuse me, distinction between existence and being. You know, illusions have existence, right? But it's always specific and it's it's tied to specific things and these <clears throat> consistent constant issues that 
we have whatever they are, and they are individual. <laughs> they are they are specific. Um, so they are different for each of them in in some way, if nothing else than by point of view. Um, and why the curriculum is really individual, even though it uh, it's about universality. To the point, to the to the point that you know that these issues, which are collected into a, um, as cornerstones of the e- ego, I don't even want to say the word because no, almost no one said it. So I just want to uh, <clears throat> bring a few points from yesterday's reading that. Only our allegiance to it gives that ego any power over us. And we speak of it as if it's a separate thing. And that's just as a point of, of uh, to make us aware of it as a part, right? Is the part that believes in separation. And it's really nothing more, like it says, nothing more than a part of our belief about ourselves. And in that understanding, we can then recognize that the specific, this belief in the conflict is, destroys relationship when conflict can only be known in relationship. Is is capable of dissolving in the face of the constant state, <clears throat> which actually uh, certainly appears to be holding the universe together moment to moment. <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, the ego is not a separate thing, but we believe it's often treated as it is because we believe that we are. And the ego is just a device for maintaining self-image. But it's still only our willingness to use it. And this is why to, to separate this thing, these to separate <laughs> To understand the separate parts and to heal that separation is to bring them to truth because they are the illusory parts where buried these judgments in our subconscious. So our mind is always bubbling and churning with the desire to uh, <clears throat> perceive in separation rather than the unit that unifies it. Anyway, I'm complete, and we're running over. So, um, that was really great, Lemoyne. Just really great. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Lemoyne, for sharing all of that. It was great, and I can hear you better. And 
I'm so glad you you went back to yesterday and brought that in too. Really, really good. Thank you. Well, Lori, do you have a closing like that? I do today, Lori, and it has suddenly changed. <laughs> I'm finding it, and it's this in homage to today's lesson and finding that deep place. What is one cannot be perceived as separate, and the denial of the separation is the reinstatement of knowledge. At the altar of God, the holy perception of God's Son becomes so enlightened that light streams into it, and the Spirit of God's Son shines in the mind of the Father and becomes one with it. Very gently does God shine upon himself, loving the extension of himself, which is his Son. The world has no purpose as it blends into the purpose of God, for the real world has slipped quietly into heaven where everything eternal in it has always been. There the capital Redeemer and the redeemed join in perfect love of God and of each other. Heaven is your home, and being in God, it must also be in you. That's from chapter 11, paragraph 60. Amen. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Lamar. Beautiful. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, everyone. What a great call. What great communication. <laughs> Thank you. Huh? That's awesome. <laughs>